We've been looking at the scripture for now. This is the third week. It's Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's just take that apart for a moment. The only way that I acquire faith is by the word of God. If I neglect the word of God, I neglect faith. If I neglect faith, I can't please God. So I want you to know that faith is not something you work up as an emotion. A lot of people say, I'm just trying to have more faith. And I just tell people, quit trying to have faith. It's not something you try. You know, I tried and played pickleball. I was very good at it, but didn't like it. You say, I'm going to try to have faith. You say, well, I wasn't very good at it, and then you didn't like it. You don't try to have faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So if I'm not bringing the Word of God into my life, I'm not increasing in faith. So the greatest thing you can do for your faith is just read the Word of God. You say, where? Pick a book. There's 66 in there. Start somewhere. But as you read it, I was reading this morning, and I sent it to Sean Foyt and, and Jay Koopman because I just thought it was so powerful. Let me just read this to you. This is what I was reading. I took a screenshot of my Bible, and I sent it. Let me just read this because I think it's so powerful when you really start to think about it. So this is from actually from Malachi chapter 1. It says, but now entreat God's favor. And I sat there, and I made that a prayer. God, I just entreat your favor in my life. And it goes on to say this, that he may be gracious to us while this is still being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. And then he goes on to say, from the rising of the sun even to the going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And, and you just, you read that word and you go like, oh God, I just want to entreat your favor. You should be doing that every day. God, I just ask the windows of heaven be opened up. I ask the favor to come upon me and I entreat you. Now, we, think, we talk about retreats, right? Yeah. This is entreat. This is not running away. This is running into the favor of God. I'm entering in, you see? Favor is something you enter into. You say, well, I don't think favor is fair. It's not. It's not fair. That doesn't mean you don't pursue it. Well, how come he got favor? I didn't get favor. I don't know. How's that for a theological answer? But what I do know is what the Bible says. And when I do what the Bible says, it's amazing how what it says, the promises will come, they come to me. So entreat the favor of God. So it says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The word of God. So I have to be in the word of God. So I don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time. Do you have five minutes a day? If you tell me no, then you will lie about other things. Amen? I mean, really, you don't, even if you, you said, I'm going to give five minutes a day to the Word of God, I guarantee if you do that on a regular basis, you'll be up and to the right on the charts of faith. And guess what? You might even find you could read six or seven minutes. Amen? Hey, I want to share a testimony. You know, the, one of the things that uh, the word testimony, okay, or testify, comes from a Greek word, martus. It's where we get our word martyr. 
And the idea is that when you speak forth what God is doing in your life, somebody will want to martyr you. Because it's so powerful and it's so counterculture that it gets people's attention. So I had someone two weeks ago come up to me and give me a testimony based on the message that I preached that week and then followed up with another testimony in a text. And then I followed up and said, I need more, write this thing out and send it to me. So I'm just gonna read to you a testimony uh, from one of our own. I changed the, uh, some of the circumstances to make it anonymous, all right? So I'm not gonna name names, but listen to what it says. I was feeling like God didn't hear my prayers anymore, so I began to stop trusting him with my finances. I want every word to kind of sink in because this is like real life. This is where we all live, amen? Even when I tried to keep up my giving, I often found myself justifying only a portion of it. I was very discouraged and depressed. Over the last several months, things once again became more difficult financially, and the fear of how it would all work out overshadowed my trust that God would provide. My giving was once again sporadic at best. Then you shared the first blessed life message. I was convicted to step out in faith and to give right then. That afternoon, a major financial blessing was given that would really make a difference in our business long term. I was so overwhelmed with emotion and joy and truly stunned at the timing. Now, now just think about what you just read. You go from depression to rejoicing in one paragraph. I set up auto pay tithe on my, on the, my money and the, my husband said, let's test him and see what he's doing. Today, I got a call from a very large investment, more than 15 times the annual amount of the tithe I committed. It's probably just coincidental. <laughs> the donor giving 15 times called back yesterday and doubled it again. It's an unbelievable miracle. Now, if you think this is unusual, this is not unusual. I hear this all the time. Just because you don't experience it doesn't mean it's not gonna happen or it doesn't happen to people all around you. And then it closes with this, which I thought was the best part of the whole story. The difference now is that he has brought me into a deeper level of trust and I'm expecting his faithfulness. You see, when you live with expectancy, when you live in that moment, I expect God to do something. God does something. When you live with that, that, that experience of, I don't know if God knows that I exist or God is gonna do anything, then you get exactly that expectancy. See, the reason I love to talk about the matter of stewardship is because I know it's the most life-changing thing outside of salvation that you can do in your family. I've watched over the years families struggle I've, I've seen them just lose faith. And I've also seen what happens when they begin to take God's promises, not just this one, but also all of them, and begin to incorporate them in their life. Not only do they change their own personal life, they change generations to come. You see, and that's what you have to think about. You think about, what am I modeling? I remember my dad. My dad was a, a colonel in the Army, and, and, and whenever we went to church, and it wasn't that often, it felt like it was like once a month, maybe it was more, but my dad always did two things. He polished his shoes. Remember when shoes could be polished? <laughs> he polished his shoes and he wrote out a check 
and he got them ready for Sunday. And I remember one time walking by, I don't even remember how much it was, but I thought it was a lot of money to me. Probably wasn't a lot, but it seemed like a lot. And I said, Dad, that's a pretty big check. He says, well, does God deserve any less? Now, I don't know whether my dad ever tied. I don't know how much my dad ever gave. My dad never even told me how much he, ever, he made annually as an income. I just don't know. I, I didn't, I asked one time, he said, it's none of your business. <laughs> right? But one thing I do know, that I do remember about my dad was he always wrote out a check And if he wasn't going to church, he sent one in. And I know my dad used to sing the old rugged cross. Not very well, but he sang the old rugged cross. Do you realize the impression that makes on a child? And you see, the thing about generational blessings is you have to start now. Even if your kids are grown, you have to start now. Because you can transform generations to come and grandchildren to come. Just by little things you say. We called up uh, our son-in-law and and daughter yesterday. said, can we take the girls for ice cream? And Gracie Bell got on the phone. She said, but not too much, Papa. I don't want to get the diabetes. (laughs) I have a feeling she didn't find that on Google. I have a feeling that was something passed on generationally and saying, this is the warning. Too much ice cream, you're going to get the diabetes. Not diabetes, but the diabetes. God, I want, you to, I want you to take this thought in. I'm going to just bathe you in the Word of God because I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The Word of God. God is a rewarder God. You ever gotten a reward? Lost dog. When I was a kid, I'd walk around looking for posters. It's lost dog. I'm... I can get 15 bucks. I got to find this dog. (laughs) Why? I want the reward. But see, I had to do something to get the reward. I couldn't show up and said, hey, I saw your dog one time. (laughs) Oh, good. We're going to give you half. No, there's a reward because I did something. I engaged, you see, in an activity. I found the dog. I took the dog back and I redeemed. They redeemed their dog for $15. You see, in giving and finding a rewarding God, God is a rewarder God, but God also wants you engaged. When you're engaged, God rewards. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, if you have your Bibles, I, I like to mark in my Bible, I like to take notes, and I underscore, in my, in my Bible, the, the word impossible is underscored. I don't want to remind myself that God is not pleased with me unless I'm exercising faith. And faith comes by what? And hearing by the what? The word of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That is, who he says he is. Now look, look at the next part. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently search him or find him, right? Seek him. So what does he do? God rewards who? Those who walk by faith, who are diligent in their search for God. Every time I pursue God, God always comes through. You have to be a pursuer of God. Let's look over in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, 
Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. So his prayer was just twofold. He just says, God, I want blessing on my life, and I want you to give me a broader scope of impact in what I'm doing. And that prayer right there can apply to everybody in this room. I can pray that prayer. I can say, God, would you bless me, and God, would you enlarge the territory? And then he went on to say this, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. So I need your presence to go with me. I also need you to keep me from evil, which sounds like the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me, what? From evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen. And that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God is really excited when we don't cause others pain. Don't be a pain. Amen? All right, now look what it says. So God granted him what he requested. You see, when you pray in sincerity the right prayer in faith, God comes through. I have never figured out how God does what he does. Because whenever I think God's gonna use an expected channel to do something, a person or a way or a means, he doesn't. I don't like that. I don't like the timing of God. I'm gonna just be honest with you. This is confession time. Kelly said I should confess. I'm confessing right now. I think God's calendar would be much improved if it were on my day timer. Right? But you see, then I lose what? This element of faith. I walk by faith, not by what? Sight. If I walk by sight, I'm always gonna be confused. So I look at sight and I go, oh no. But if I walk by faith, I go, I don't know, but you do. I'm gonna trust you. Deuteronomy 29.9. Keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. You see how it's tied back to the word of God? The covenant is the agreement that God makes with man in the Old Testament covenant and a New Testament covenant. So God said, I'm gonna make an agreement. If you do this, I'll do that. And it says here, if you keep the words of the covenant, that is the word, and do them, you're going to prosper in every area of your life. And that's what that testimony this, this morning said. All areas of your life can prosper. They can all be in sync. The Hebrew word shalom means may all of your life be blessed. You know, may your wife not burn your food. May your children not be ugly. I mean, it's all of that. It's the idea of blessing in every area of your life. And we kind of lose that holistic view of, of, of peace, don't we? We think about peace as the absence of conflict, but it's so much more than that. It's the presence of God. And when I walk in the presence of God, he prospers me in all ways. He sees it all coming. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, to, to talk to a lot of Christians, you would think God wants you to be as poor as you possibly can, suffering and struggling. You know, that's what God wants. They say, well, Jesus was poor. and He was not poor. Go back and calculate what, what gold, frankincense, and myrrh would be worth in that day. Gold was probably the lowest on the commodity list of value. They opened up treasure box. They made him, in that moment, a very rich young man. 
And then if you read in the Gospels, it says that a group of very wealthy women followed the disciples and they funded the whole ministry. So don't, don't get the wrong idea here. He, you can be humble and have wealth, right? You can, you can be wealthy and be proud. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due season he may exalt you. See, all these scriptures, they all tie together, don't they? You see, kingdom economics are supernatural. You know, how do you, how do you grab hold of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever done this? Like, I just want to hold him and put him in my pocket and take him. You can't do that. But you know he's present. The supernatural moving of God is, is just that. You can't, you can't confine or control God, but you can cooperate with God. When you cooperate with God, he moves you down the right path. When you resist him, he's gonna resist you. So you wanna always be in sync with God. God, how can I be in sync with you today? God, how can I walk in your spirit? How can I be filled with your spirit? How do I not grieve your Holy Spirit? You see, these are all scriptural truths that allow us to live out this Christian life that we know's there. We've been a pursuer of this Christian life, but, but how do we get it all into one package and live it out in our life? Malachi chapter three, verses six and seven. You've heard this scripture before. I am the Lord. You see, when you begin with that principle in everything you do, then the rest makes sense. If he would say, I'm not the Lord, but this is a great suggestion I have for you. Here knows there's 10 commandments. It's not 10 suggestions. Here are 10 ways to live your life. That's not what he said. Here's 10 commandments. That is, these are things you have to do to walk in me. And I look at him and I go, I've already failed. I know. I know you have because the Ten Commandments were never intended to save you. They were intended to point you to your shortcoming so that you would trust in me for, for my mercy. So when it says, you know, thou shalt not covet, I go, oh, that's what I've been doing? Yeah, that's sin. Oh, okay, I need to turn away from that and I need to pursue you. So I am the Lord, and notice what else he says, I do not change. Now think about that. God says, I don't change. Oh, that's that God of the Old Testament. No, he said, I don't change. You see, change is a creature word. You change, but God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you want him like that. You don't want him changing your, his mind about you and thinking, I don't like you now. See, that was what was so revolutionary when Jesus came was he preached this God that didn't change. And they were living in the midst of this Greek mythology where the gods were weird. They did all kinds of things. They liked you one day, they hated you the next. But to create a God, and, and they said, show us the Father and that'll be enough. And he said, have I been with you so long and you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And we see in Jesus this God that does not change, this God who's a God of mercy and God of grace, a God of love. He, said, he goes on to say, but you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. So when I stop doing the word, what God does is he kind of 
does one of these and waits for me to come back. He doesn't leave me. He just kind of says, I'm going to pursue you when you start pursuing me again. See, God loves to be loved. Right? He loves to be loved. And if you can just say in your heart right now, I love God and I want to love you more and I want to pursue you, that's a legitimate prayer, right, that God hears. Look at Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, why would I do that? Because it's a, it's a commandment of God and God doesn't change. That's why you do it. You see, faith, oh, I don't believe in that. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've given you no less each week than probably 10 to 15 scriptures all on the same subject. So by this week, into this week, you're going to have about 45. That's a lot. Amen? That's a lot. God's trying to get it in our thick head. Is your head thick? Mine's definitely thick. I, I got double thickness. Dutch family, only child. That guarantees double thick head. All right? God says, ah, look at this guy. You know, it was God's grace that my mother only had one. What would she have done with two of me? It had been a dream to my wife for two of me, but I, I know. Well, maybe not. All right. Now, in the Bible, there's only one time God says to test me. Only one subject. Think about that. God never says it on any other subject. He says, I'll test me on prayer. He never says that. He just says prayer, pray. If you, if you want to see me work, then pray. But in the one thing that's the most sensitive thing in people's life, money, he says, test me and see if I won't do something. Look what he says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me or try me in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and I will pour out for you such a blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. He says, I know that you hold your money close. And I know that you worry about your money. You worry about money more than you worry about anything else. Right? You worry more about money than you worry about health. You'll buy a $5 donut and give a dollar to church. And the donut's gonna kill you. Amen? I'd love a donut right now, wouldn't you? We need to have Krispy Kreme donuts on Sunday morning. But, amen. Well, I'm getting off subject here, but hang with me. All right. But, but you see, he says, I want you to put me to a test. Just try me and see what will happen. Hey, this testimony I read, just that's not a bad return. That's kingdom economics. That's the way it works. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Accounting never works. I love accountants. I love the fact they can put things in columns and tell you how things work and how you're doing. I love all that, but kingdom economics works totally different. I don't like it, but it does. It scares me sometimes, but it works. Let me tell you kingdom economics. All right, now, now you try to make sense of this one. Are you ready? Okay, the utility bill for this church in the month of January was about $7,000 a month. Not bad, right? So, and that includes the building across the street too. So $7,000 for all of it, $7,000, okay? Now, we bought a new building, a 22,000-square-foot building, closed on it in January, remember that? Some of you are a big part of that. Thank you so much. Okay, so then I looked at the June, which now is summer, right? It's hot, 
Utility goes a little bit more expensive. So I looked at it, and our utility bill was $7,000. How did I add $22,000 in the middle of summer and end up with the same utility bills I had in January? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Are you with me? I don't have to understand how things work to enjoy them. I do not understand electricity, but I'm smart enough not to lick my finger and stick it in the socket. Are you with me? I just enjoy lights. He says, if you do that, look what else he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You know what that is? That's how to inflation-proof your personal economics. So, well, I, I heard Newsom's gonna send us a little money. Yeah, a little money. He's gonna raise your gas tax, he's gonna take the tax out of that, and he's gonna send you a check. That's how this works, right? The reason we have inflation is because we're printing all this extra money, right? You can't give money away, and the dollar, the dollar just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. Had he not taken us off the gold standard, they estimate, now listen to this one, they estimate your net, the net worth of every single person on in the United States would be 4X what it is right now. That's what happens when you have a fiat currency. That means it's not real. It's fake. So as long as you live in that, you go like, you might have, I mean, I'm trying to think which country it was, just printed the trillion dollar bill. Well, they have to because you've got to figure out how do we, how do we take care of inflation? We just make more money, bigger money, so that it, but it doesn't go anywhere. So you have, to be a, you have to tap into supernatural economics or you're going to be sunk. I have to find ways that God is going to bless, make things that I have last longer. When we were first married, we had a, a Grand Prix 354 barrel. It would really open up. I mean, it was, it was powerful, right? And I love that little car, right? And one Sunday... You know, one of the guys in my church came over. He was a true redneck. Worked at the paper mill. Name was Lauren Haas. He said, preacher, I don't think you ever called me by my name. Preacher, how many miles you got on that car? I said, I don't know, about 60, maybe 70,000. He said, how many times you changed the brakes? I said, I never have. Those are the original brakes. He gave me a look like that. He said, I'm coming over tomorrow with the jack. I'm going to jack it up. I'm going to check all your brakes. I don't want you going in the ditch. Jacks up, up. He takes one wheel off. And he looked at me. He said, how many miles you got on this car? I said, I don't know, 60 or 70,000. He takes another wheel off. Looks at it. He said, are you sure these are the original brakes? I said, they're the original brakes. You tell me how we got 70,000 miles out of a set of brakes on a car that didn't, they didn't need to be replaced at that moment. I don't know. I don't care. I just want to be enjoying God's kingdom economics. That's all I know. Are you with me? So 
So we need to fill the house. A lot of people think that, that because you go on vacation, the church goes on vacation. Did you know that? Hey, we're on vacation. I had somebody tell me the other day, said, oh, I came and you preached on giving and I realized that I haven't given all summer. Ah, well, you can fix that problem. Here's what happens in the summer. I, I just want to give you a little picture of it. We have kids camp. It costs $41,000 to do kids camp. That's a lot of money. That's why they had a good time. That's why the parents said, hey, I'll bring my kid back another week. <laughs> but we had so many kids, we had to scholarship. We had, we had so many kids from the Boys and Girls Club that, that came and participated. You know, and you just, you, you see all these things come together. But let me tell you the good news is 62 kids gave their heart to Jesus Christ. So you could say, well, if you wouldn't have spent the 41, would you have gotten the 62 kids saved? I don't know. All I know is we had a kids camp. We saw 62 kids come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's pretty good return. Because guess what? If those kids grow up, love the Lord, raise their, their families to love the Lord, how good is that for society? How good is that for this nation we live in? How good is that for the community you live in and the school that your kids attend and your grandchildren and your children's children? See, we always have to be thinking about what's the good in all of this? And kingdom economics never thinks about you. It thinks about the sphere of your, of your influence and how you can change people's lives all around you. Youth camp is coming up. That's $37,000. The Mexico house is about $19,000. What is that? We go to Mexico. This will be the second house. Go down there. We build a, a house uh, over a weekend, basically, over a three-day period. From, from start to finish, that house is done. They hand the keys to a family that is, doesn't have a house, and they move in. Think about that. How would you like to have a house in Orange County for nineteen grand? Amen? Wouldn't that be great? We may have to build one here. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, you know what we really need to do is we need to start building some fourplexes and, two, and duplexes and, and have places for people to live and, and, and build community for people. I don't know how God's going to use that. I just throw it out there as a, as a wild idea. But, 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 you know, I think we always have to be thinking about how do we bless our own family too? You bless this house you bless those that attend this house. You bless the communities. You just keep doing it. Serve the city is coming up. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, my daughter asked for a thousand people or five, I can't remember how many, but, you know, more than reality, right? Whatever it was. She exaggerated her whole life. I, she always was that way. She was growing up. If she called me dad, you know, everything was fine. If she called me daddy, she needed money. Being the only girl, you know, you kind of get your way. I said, I got two of you in this household now. I got one named Tammy, one named Jen. But here's what we need. We need I'm asking you to help us fill the house with this $100,000. Just to dig deep and say, I can do this, I can do that. And if everyone participates, we'll refill that house of that need. So I'm just going to ask you to do it. I'm just going to ask you to pray about it. Don't, don't say, I'm not doing it. Just, just pray about it. God tells you to do something, you do it. God doesn't speak to you, don't. One time when our son Josh, went, he wanted to go out to some Halloween, you know, scare the heck out of you party. I said, you're not, you know, you're not going. 
And he got mad. I said, I'll tell you what. I changed my mind. You go upstairs, you pray, and ask the Lord wants you to go to that hell house, and you come back and tell me. Well, you know, he's got to figure out how to touch with God, get in touch with God. He went up there with the shortest prayer he ever did. He came stomping down the stairs. I said, what did the Lord say? He said, you know what the Lord said. <laughs> I said, well, then blame him. Not my fault. He just shut off the hell house for you. Look what, look what else it says here in Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. If my people who are gathered by my name, right, will humble themselves and pray. You see, we see when we fear the Lord, when we come together, we talk. We talk to one another. And it says, the Lord listened to them. If two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. See how this works? So now look, this is what I love. I want to I want to speak on this next week because I, I want to talk about this book of remembrance. Everybody loves to be remembered, right? You ever been to a high school reunion? I only went to the twenty year. That was all I could take. I don't know what happened to those people. They looked rough. I was shocked how good I looked after twenty years. But it did feel good to be remembered. Oh, some people I didn't recognize them at all, but I recognized parts. You know, like I remember the guy's ears or the nose or something. But I don't know what happened to the rest of them. They just went to pot. But it feels good to be remembered. Do you know that God has a book of remembrance that he writes in real time? It's like a Google Doc. He's writing, 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 writing. Look, it says, so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Every act that you're, 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 you're going through on a daily basis, God's writing. God's writing it all down, writing it all down, writing it all down. Why? Because God is going to read that back when we stand before him. And out of that is going to come rewards or loss. This is when you don't want a short book. Amen? All right, now watch this. Cheerfulness follows generosity. Listen to what it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one as he purposes in his heart uh, not uh, give, not grudgingly uh, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the, the little word in the Greek is hilarious. Can you imagine you take an offering and everybody just breaks out in laughter of how much they gave? Oh, that's nothing. Let me throw this in. I, I'm going to do this. Do you know what? When you get a spirit of generosity in your heart, it becomes fun. Because you know God is rewarder of those who, who diligently seek him. You just know this is coming back somehow. You don't know how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, what he's going to do, but he's gonna, it's coming back to you. Look at treasure follows generosity. Look at Psalm 37, 18. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. How would you like to have an inheritance that goes beyond the grave? Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, right? How about Psalm 112? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. It's really interesting here. It, it doesn't promise that 
you will be great. It promises your descendants will be mighty on the earth. Because he's talking about generation. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I'm a part of this family tree thing, and they send me little updates, and here's your relative, and you, know, you click on the little thing, and you, sometimes they got a picture, sometimes all they got is a tombstone, you know, and you, you I mean, it's just kind of fun, you know, and I, like, I, I got one the other day, and, and this was this one that was born, one of our Hudson Pillars was born in 1640 in the British colony of Virginia. That's kind of cool. I don't know if the guy was a crook. I don't know if he was legit. I don't know anything about him. But it was cool to be to remember and to think about that and to think about generations. Somehow the generations that preceded me did something right enough to get our family at least headed in the right direction. Amen? Amen. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness will follow forever. That's all I want. I want my family to love the Lord. I want them to prosper. I want them to be good health. I want them to walk in the goodness of God, and I want them to raise children, if they have them, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And guess what? We as a body of Christ have an opportunity to do that on a daily basis. Amen? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God and how rich it is and how powerful it is in our life. And Father, as we, uh, as we give you glory and we give you praise, Father, we just ask you to take every word that we spoke, every word that we heard, and may our faith grow, may our commitment grow. God, may we learn how to sacrificially live out our lives that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.